Thank you all for tuning in to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey, the Josh Terry Podcast, brought to you by Raising Grace Studios. want to give a big shout out to all of our sponsors, Gridiron Coffee, Nobles Networking, Williams Tire, Par Hopper Golf Apparel, Straight Haggard Thread Company, our management company, Red Circle. Thank you for putting some change in my pocket with all the corporate sponsors. We very much appreciate it. Uh, each and every one of y'all know how near and dear domestic violence is to my heart. I do a whole lot of shows, but every time you meet new people that has been down that road and that struggle, their stories are the same, but it's a little bit different. And you never know whose story actually can affect and make change with somebody and help someone who's listening right now. So I had the pleasure of while I was in Nashville this past weekend to meet Miss Maya Don, who's on the show, who I owe her a huge apology before she even says anything with her pretty little self, is that I was supposed to record with her twice while I was there, and someone developed a drinking problem and an Adderall problem, and they forgot. So, uh, Miss Maya, I'm glad that I finally got you on the show. I've been looking forward to this since I met you on Thursday. Well, it's it's nice to finally be here, and I'm glad you're, you know, you've calmed down a little in the last couple of days, and, you know, here. You're here. Yeah, I don't I don't know about that. Uh, you know what I just remembered? I picked you up from the airport. You did. You did pick me up. You were in your underwear. It's fine. It's not, it's it wasn't underwear. It was not it, underwear. They're called okay. Burlbo shorts. But way to but listen, way, way to get them in here. Like, yeah. Way to get their name spoken on this show because I like their Burlbo shirts. There we they're, go. They're great. And then uh I'm always I'm a I'm a very weird person about when you make a connection with somebody it could be just random, whatever. I made a stupid post leaving Nashville and this next young lady, she commented on it or something. For some reason I looked at her stuff and uh, I don't know. There's something about it. Whenever we messaged each other and she started kind of telling me her story, I was like, you know what? This just kind of lines up. Uh, I'm a big believer in you're not always where you are. want to be in this life, but you're always where you're supposed to be. And uh, I don't know whatever it was, but Miss Jeanette bowling, uh, Thank you for doing the show, too. Thank I, you for having me. I said your me. name wrong, didn't I? It's Janetta. That's a, you really need to simplify that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Tell my mother. Uh, yeah, I got to give you a nickname. There's no way I'm be able to say Janetta. I mean, most people call me JB. JB? Mm-hmm. You sure that's not inversed? I'm not going to comment on that. Well, folks, when I started to do a domestic violence show today, I didn't realize there would be a BJ joke right at the beginning, and she wasn't going to get offended. This might be my type of people. You're welcome. Uh, my and and uh, BJ, I don't know if <laughs> y'all have ever listened to any of the domestic violence shows that I do, but the main reason that I do them, uh, it's it's weird for me to do them because I'm a man, and it's uh, it's something that men don't like talking about. Because, you know, it's not only men that commit it, but it normally, in most cases, is. And uh, I try to make the male listener of my show understand where females are coming from. And hopefully they never do it. Uh, Also, I try to make it to where when females hear your stories, it gives them the courage, hopefully, they need to get out of the situation that they're in before it's too late. Um, so this is one of our more serious shows, so I'll try to behave. Uh, but uh, I don't really know which one of y'all to start with because I'm going to start with mine. I, I actually do because uh, I've already talked to her about some of this stuff. 
But um, I don't know. Maya, tell me how – I guess tell me where all of it kind of started with you because it seems like a lot of people know you from the pain and sadness you've been through. Um, where the, the relationship started? Or yeah, how did, how did you – how did it meet – how? Where did the violence in your life, whether it was the domestic violence now or just rough childhood, like what, where does your violence start? Um, I think for the, the relationship that everybody knows me about it, it, it started two years ago um, with my last, uh, my last partner that I had. And uh, looking back now, the, the abuse started from day one between the manipulation and the, uh, the control, it started from day one and it was, uh, it was daily for two years and, um, it was all encompassing, you know, every aspect of my life was controlled by this person. And, uh, I think it, it starts how they all start, you know, it starts as this beautiful picture. And everybody thinks they're in this warm and fuzzy relationship. And then at some point they lose themselves and the other person takes over. So that's, that's where I started. You know, I, I didn't love myself anymore. And I decided this person was more important and that the pain I was sustaining was, was worth it. If I could just get him to love me just a little bit more. So. How long you said for two years, uh, is that the length of you actually knowing this person or was that the relationship? The relationship was two years. I knew him for six years, um, but uh, he, he, he worked where I used to get my car service. That's where I met him, um, but we dated for two years. So, and the, again, the, the abuse started almost from day one. I'm very sorry. What, what about you, uh, Miss Janetta? How long before uh, the abuse started did you know the person? Um, so mine was actually my ex-husband. Uh, we were married for seven years. Um, the abuse didn't start. It started with control first, and I didn't really even see it. I didn't notice it um, until later after all of the bad stuff really started to happen. And then when I looked back again, after, you know, many years of therapy, I noticed all the red flags, but as you're in the relationship and you're in the moment, you don't see it. You're blindsided by it because you're in love with this person and you want to give your all to them and you want them to love you back equally. So it took quite a few years before I actually realized what was happening. Maya, what was your first experience with, uh, I guess, with domestic violence? When did you know that there was an issue? Um, mine is a little different in, and, you know, we can, this is no hold hard, right? Like we can, yeah, say, you can, you can be as rough, okay. real as you want to be. Um, so mine, my type of dom domestic violence was, was different than some others. I was essentially raped every day for two years, every day. I wasn't allowed to say no, there was no consent. Um, if I, tr if I tried to, to not be present, uh, then it, the abuse would be worse or he did a lot of, um, 
where he would ignore me and he would, he would decide that I wasn't good enough to um, pay attention to. And so he had different, there was different types of abuse. And, and I think that's what gets really hard. I know when I, when I reached out to Rain, because Rain was the first group organization that I reached out to. Um, when I reached out to them to ch- just trying to figure out like, what is going on? Like, is this abuse? Is it not abuse? And the woman was just like, did you consent? And I said, well, we're in a relationship. Of course I consented. And she's like, no, no, no. Did you consent? Did you say no? And I said, I'm not allowed to say no. And she goes, well, what do you mean? And I said, if I say no, then I won't be able to walk or I won't be able to, to, to eat, you know, for days and because the abuse will be worse. And it, I think I really realized it literally that it was abuse on the day I left after two years. So he made you feel like it was just normalized. Like he had, you know, in a, in a very fucked up way, he thought that, or made you think that what was going on was just normal until you realized it wasn't anymore. It, to an extent, yes. For me, it was that he hadn't been loved for so long in his life and he didn't know how to love. And so abuse was his form of intimacy. If that even makes sense, as sick as that is, abuse was his form of intimacy. And for me, it was like, if I just loved him a little bit more today, if I take whatever it is, he's going to dish me, maybe he'll see that I love him and he'll stop. And that's, that's how my days were. Um, you know, however he decided he was going to treat me in a certain day, I took it. And I thought maybe tomorrow he'll love me a little bit more and maybe the abuse will get a little bit less. And I, I did this for two years. The last day, the day that I left, so to speak, the day that I called the police um, and, and did the, the report, um, he tried to kill me. He, he, tried, he tried to suffocate me. Um, and I went in and I looked in the mirror and I said, you're done. You're done. And that was the day, that was the first day I really said, this is abusive. Up until then, I just thought it was just how he loved. Like he, he's, he's never known love. And, you know, I've been in counseling now for over a year. <laughs> and even in the, the beginning stages of, can- of counseling, I, the red flags, I made excuses for everything. I, I made excuses right and left that he just doesn't know any better. And, you know, it wasn't really rape and it wasn't. And she was like, well, when you said no, what would happen? And I was like, oh, I, I learned you didn't say no. Like if he decided at six o'clock in the afternoon while I was making dinner, he, he wanted to do whatever he wanted to do, then I wasn't allowed to say no. Like it didn't matter who was home. I have, I have grown adult children. Um, he has a small child. It didn't matter who was home. I wasn't allowed to say no ever. So did he grow up as far as, you know, in an abusive household? He grew up in a strange household. Um, I don't know if there was abuse. I have suspicions, um, but nothing he's he, never spoke on. Then. He's never spoke on it. He does have a, I mean, any, any, grown man that calls his mother a cunt on a regular basis there has to be something there i mean that's that's his his lovingly speaking of his mom term is she's a fucking cunt um, uh 
Uh, yeah, that that's a red flag. I kind of skipped over that red flag when I heard it the first time. I was just like, he didn't mean that, you know. Um, but yeah, that's, so for me, there has to be something going on. But he never discussed what happened with his family ever. See, I feel horrible now because that's almost word for word how I talk to my mother. Well, I don't talk to my mother. Okay, I, uh, we just we're not we're not close. We don't we don't much well, he care for each other. close to her. Oh close. no no mm-hmm. no 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 that's a that's a big difference there. Yeah. Uh, uh, God, I hate to hear that. It's just hard to see good people that, that go through that stuff. Like it's, but we'll we'll dive more into yours because one thing is 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 acknowledging what you went through, acknowledging the trauma, and then we'll break it down. We'll break it down. But I want to hear uh, how Janetta, how you got, what was your first experience with it, and. You know, when did you know something was different and it wasn't the norm? Um, mine was more financially. He controlled everything. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom. In his mind, he wanted me to go to work, but at the same time, he did not. He wanted me to stay at home. He didn't want me to have friends. I wasn't allowed to have friends. Um, it was in the moment of... Christmas day, um, 2017, when I found out that he was cheating on me and he tried to make excuses for every little thing, um, of reasons why he did it. Um, after that moment is when I started to really, I dove into love mode of trying to make him love me, want me questioning everything. What did I do? Why was I not enough? Why would someone want to cheat on me when I literally gave him everything and anything he ever wanted? Um, two days before I found out, he took me to a car dealership and bought me my dream car. Uh, I kind of knew something then was up because it was random. Um, Like I said, it was right at Christmas time. So I was in mom mode of playing Santa, getting the Christmas stuff together. He never did any of that. I was, you know, trying to make sure all the gifts were wrapped, everything. We were going out of town to see family. We had to take everything with us. And he was like, took me to a car lot two days prior to buy me, you know, the dream car that I wanted. So everything could fit. We have three kids and it was a little odd. He was odd. The whole situation was just odd. It was just really weird. It was, it was very not normal. Um, when we get to our family's house for Christmas, he wasn't paying any attention to our kids opening presents. He was sitting in the recliner on his phone the whole entire time. And I'm thinking this is our son's first Christmas. Mind you, we have two daughters and one son. And the first one is not his. It's by a different person, but he's been in her life since she was one. She's almost 13. So he has been with her since she was one. And he's like hers. Um, It was our son's first Christmas. He was seven months old. 
and he like he was so proud to have a boy and you would think that he wanted to watch his first son open everything do everything he didn't care didn't care he was sitting over there in the corner by himself just on his phone and I was just like what in the world that night is when I found out who she was and what was going on and after that moment he tackled me to the floor and that's when it all started how did you find out because I asked him I made a joke actually um and if anybody knows me I joke around all the time I am just one big joke person I looked at him and he we had put the kids to bed and we were sitting there watching TV and I looked at him and I said, tell your girlfriend, I said, hi, just joking around, not thinking anything of it. The look that he gave me when I said that I knew right then and there, knew right then and there. So we haven't, we had an open phone policy and I asked for his phone and sure enough, as soon as I got it, I found it. Uh, he tackled me to the ground, grabbed his phone, grabbed his keys and left. My whole world changed that day. Are you kind of glad that it did though? Yes. Yeah. I don't want anyone to have to go through the pain and suffering and the abuse that I went through the next three years after that. But I'm glad I I'm glad I went through it because it has made me the strong person that I am today. So when you say the next three years, y'all, I guess, made up after that night and then y'all were together the next three years. No, we tried. Um, obviously, we were out of town at our family's house. We had to come back to our house when we got back. That's when everything really unraveled and. That is when everything started going downhill from there. Um, we tried. Uh, the minute I found them too in a parking lot uh, is the moment that I kicked them out of the house. Um, seeing your husband physically with another woman with your own eyes it's very hard. It's very, I, very. Hard. I had to hear it one time. I couldn't imagine. I was dating a girl and uh, she kept hitting ignore on me in her pocket. You remember when everybody used to have the, uh, the envy phones? I don't know if y'all remember that. I'm 34 years old. I don't know if y'all remember it, but you could answer from the outside. You can answer from the inside. And uh, this is actually, I don't know if I ever told a story on it. This is actually what brought around my suicide attempt back in 2010 was she answered her phone in her pocket after ignoring she had hit the wrong button. And I had to hear her getting plowed by another dude. And it fucked me up. I'm talking about good and fucked me up. Uh, so I can only imagine seeing something with your own eyes, just how fucking bad that is, dude. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty rough day for me. To say the least. Maya, when you called the police or whatever it was when you got out that day, 
Did you ever go back? I know now she kind of teetered back and forth. Did you ever go back? So um, basically what happened is the, the night of the assault was on a Thursday and um, he had been in the process of, we had lived together and then he had decided he wanted to um, have his own space. He wasn't enjoying living with my children. And to him, he was just like, I just want my own space. We're still going to be together. Um, so he was in the process of moving out uh, when the assault happened. And then the next day he was gone on Friday. And then on Saturday morning, when I woke up to go to get to work, he was asleep. Um, he was asleep in the driveway, which was very strange to me. Um, that day I went out and I bought new locks for the house. I changed, I changed the locks on the house. And then um, on Monday, I, when I came back out, he was asleep again in my driveway. And that was the day, that was the day I called the police was on Monday. So this all happened on Thursday. Um, by Monday, I had already changed the locks. He had shown up again and I, I feared for my life. So that was the day that I changed the locks. And um, I only had to deal with him one more day. Um, the, the police officers had said, Hey, does he still have things in the house? I said, he does. So we put everything into the garage, like anything that he owned, we put into the garage. And, um, on the day he came to get it, I called, um, 911 and I said, I need a civil, um, escort. And so they came and I had, I had one dude like, like he was, he was at my garage door. Um, and then another guy out in the driveway watching him load his stuff. Uh, and that was the last day I, phys- I saw him with my, you know, my, when I sue the people, um, and, and that was it. And he, I chose to stay in the house, um, in the state of Texas, whenever you go through something like this, you have the option of being moved. Uh, they will, they will end your lease. They will find you safe and secure residence, um, And I don't know what it was, but I was stubborn. And I said, I am staying in this house. You're not, you're not moving me. You're not taking that away from me. And so he left. um, And the program that, that Texas does, they, they removed him from the lease so that he couldn't come back. Um, I, and so I haven't seen him since. And that was over two years ago. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to look up this girl's name. Yeah. Corey uh, Vanderford. Um, Have you, y'all ever heard of her? Hmm. Uh, she's from Texas. She was on my show. Uh, it's before I went to Nashville the first time this month. So at the end of September, her story is uh, it has blown up huge for what she went through. Like there's, there was a lot of ring footage. It's the, it's about the most vile, disgusting thing that I've heard. And um, if anybody wants to go listen to it, it's, it's, it's back a couple episodes ago, several episodes ago. Y'all go listen to Corey's story. It's worth listening to. But at the end of it, the reason I bring it up is because uh, she got some kind of settlement from the state of Texas. It makes me like Texas so much more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess when she got out of the, the the marriage or whatever it was, she got left with all this debt and everything else, and the court system didn't do her any justice, but an advocacy, whatever it is, mm-hmm. paid her debt and everything, like $120,000, so she could move on with her life. Uh just another reason why I love Texas. I mean, that's, I hate that y'all get, I hate, I think there's too many women 
that for one, they stay in the relationship way too long because of financial reasons. I, I cannot stand that. I try to tell anybody that I talk to about it is you might be financially unstable, but being have mental stability stability will make you feel way better. If you got to file bankruptcy, it's better, you know, it's better than the alternative. And, yeah. you know, that's, I applaud those that get out and don't go back. And, and Jeanette, I'm not knocking you because I don't know the rest of yours yet. That's what I'm about to ask you. But Maya, for you just shutting the door and saying enough's enough and cutting it the fuck off, that's what I wish more people were able to do. I mean, I, I, I really, really do. Uh, Jeanette, I don't, I don't know that part with you. I know you said it was kind of back and forth or whatever it was for the next three years. What, what happened after you caught him in the vehicle? Um, this is, <clears throat> this is where it kind of gets interesting. Um, she was married as well. Uh, they worked together. Um, of course they did. Yeah. Uh, just a friend, right? It's always um, just a friend. Always. They were coworkers. Um, I actually found her phone number googled it did my research you know us girls were fbi agents in the moment when we need to be found an address that was hooked to her phone number i took my three kids and i showed up to the address not knowing anything about this girl not knowing who she was nothing i just showed up to the address uh ended up being her mom's house i knocked on the door her mom answered told her mom what was going on, showed her all the proof, showed her all the pictures, everything um, that I had had. We sat in her mom's front living room and cried for an hour and talked about a lot of stuff. Um, with her mother, not her? With her mother. It was her mom's office. Um, she said she was going to meet that girl tonight. Her daughter, um, have a long talk with her, blah, blah, blah. The girl ended up reaching out to me later that night, um, told me that she was sorry. She was married, trying to have a family. She didn't have kids yet, blah, blah, blah. I told her that if she said I wanted to hand the phone to him. So... I'm, I'm going to end it with both of you on the phone. Yeah. She said, I, I want you guys to work on your marriage because obviously you, you want that, blah, blah, blah. So she did. Whenever we hung up the phone, he looked me straight in the face and said, I can't believe you did that. I'm going to file divorce tomorrow. Of course, that broke me I was like no that's not like I, all I wanted was my family to be together I fought so hard for so long for our family to work I didn't grow up in a divorced household I didn't know what it was like to live in two different homes he did his parents were divorced his parents got a divorce when he was two so he, that's all he knew. I didn't know that. And I didn't want that for my children. So I did everything and anything possible that I could to save my marriage. <clears throat> he moved out. He moved in with a family member. 
she moved in backtrack i i texted her husband i got his number and i texted him and told him he had no idea what was going on sent all the information that he wanted to show proof he kicked her out she moved in with her mom i would say probably i don't know three four five months later they moved in together while we were still married um Every day he was love bombing me, telling me that he still wanted my marriage, our marriage to work, telling me all of this, coming over to our house, um, telling me everything and anything that I wanted to hear. Tell me you ignored him. I took a picture of his credit card and I charged, I called my lawyer the next day and filed for divorce. That a girl. With his, a girl. With his, credit, his credit card. Yes, ma'am. You fucking should have. God, I'm telling you, I don't mean this in a bad way. (laughs) That's the kind of shit I like to hear. Like that, that right there. God be petty towards these sons of bitches. I was, I was very petty. Um, I held on for a really long time. I was very, very petty about it. Um, at that point I didn't care. I was hurt. I was upset. Um, that's when we got into our first physical argument and fight. Um, he actually, Came over one night and stayed at the house. Um, some drinking was involved. We were having a really good time. Um, it got back to us being in the bedroom, you know, being intimate. And I broke down and I said, I can't because I can't imagine you being with somebody else when he was, you know, with her at yeah. the moment. And I had a moment of to myself of, I just, I can't. I broke down. I, I broke. I lost it. Okay. Um, ha- half my job with this is I have to ask the question that the listener is going to want to know, right? Mm-hmm. When you knew that he was living with someone else and everything, why did you have him over to the house drinking and hanging out that night to where it could get? Uh, I mean, we all got that person. I, I imagine each and everybody listening to this has a person that they know they ought not to drink with because you usually when you drink with certain people, it's like throwing gas on a fire. You, you, you can't help the chemistry to get two people have. So you just kind of ignore it and leave it alone. Uh, I'm not saying that was the case in your situation, but why were y'all drinking and hanging out in the first place in that manner? We were hanging out with a bunch of friends, um, okay. all of our neighbors um, that we had grown close to living, you know, when we bought our house in the neighborhood that we did, um, we were just having fun trying okay. to bring back normalcy, trying to bring back what we normally would do when we hung out. Um, so it wasn't anything like it wasn't a big deal. Were you trying to become friends again for the kids or were you just seeing if there was no, still, we were were you seeing if there's something still there? We were trying to see if there was still something there. We were trying to see if we could still work on it. But again, at this stage, he was manipulating me the whole time and I didn't know it. I, I didn't see it. I was believing everything that he was telling me because that's what I wanted to hear. I wanted our marriage to work. I wanted for our family to be back together. I wanted for him to wake up and have a light bulb go off and say, you know what? I fucked up. I'm sorry. 
what is it that I can do to make this work? Because I would have forgiven him and I would have worked and worked and worked for our marriage to be saved. The sad thing about forgiving somebody like that, and I, I don't know this guy, sad thing about forgiving somebody like that is they're just going to do it again. They, they, never, they never don't do it again. And I realized that. Yeah. Now, it took me to go through all of the shit that I had to go through to realize that now. See, there, there's a reason why I have a firm belief that men do not like me. My, my listening audience and people that actually like me is usually about 80 to 85% women. Uh, because I'm a very honest person about the mistakes that I've made earlier in life. I used to be a womanizer. I still like women. Only difference is now I don't get in a relationship. I, I, I have figured out that when I find the person I want to settle down with, that's the person I'm going to settle down with. But until then, I'm going to have me a merry old time. But I know people to this day that have been married, who have been in long-term relationships for a long time, and every time they say, I'm not doing this again, I'm not doing this again, they always do it again. So if any of y'all are out there listening, and I would like for Maya to put her two cents on that as well as Janetta, uh, if you've ever seen a guy change when it comes to that, you know, let, let, let them know. I don't want it just to come from me, but I want it to come from other people. I'm saying it from a man's point of view, somebody who can admit when they have fucked up in the past and done things that they're not proud of. You know, I, I just, I've never seen anybody change when it comes to that. Yeah. Well, I can say, you know, my ex-husband, the relationship I had before the abuse of one, my ex-husband had six affairs. He never changed. You know, his, his, his MO, the love bombing, the Tiffany boxes, like it was all the same. And then as far as the last relationship, I was the fourth victim that I know of. Um, and every time it got progressively more and more abusive, he tried more ways, you know, to get around it, to, to hide it, to, um, to cover up what he was doing. And he was getting more and more crafty with each one. And three of us are, I wouldn't say we're good friends, but they supported me through, you know, the process. Um, they came into the police station, they gave their stories. Um, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't strong enough to go to the police. Did they ever warn you during the relationship or before? No. Um, on Thursday night, the Thursday night of the attack, or no, actually on Friday morning, on Friday morning, I reached out to his ex-wife who I had become friends with because they had a child that I had been in her life for two years. She called me her bonus mom. Um, and I had called his ex-wife and I said, can I ask you a question? She said, sure. I said, was there ever any abuse in the relationship? She said, hang on. And I go, okay. And she immediately got into a three-way call with me herself. And then the woman that was between me and her, and I'm sitting here on this three-way call and, and they were like, we've been waiting for you to call. And now looking back, I'm like, why did you wait for me to call? Yeah, that okay. was, that was the point I was getting to is, yeah. uh, you always, in every single story I've had on this show, this is a domestic violence story. It is always one of two things. 
that the exes warn the current person and they think they're full of shit and then they end up getting abused or they just don't say anything until it's after and over and done with. I promise you, the and it's a bad fucking ratio. If a woman tells you that she's been abused by somebody, ladies, and you're listening to this, listen to them. Don't think that somebody's just being petty. Don't think that somebody just wants your man. They've been through it. What I will say, and I and I know that because I've talked to both of them, and there's a, there was a, a fourth victim too that didn't want to be involved, although she did give a statement on my behalf. Um, he is vi- and most. I'm not going to say all because I don't know all situations, but when I tell you that right from the get go, he had the crazy ex bitch. She, she's, she makes up stuff all the time. She tries to keep the kid from him. Like right from the get go, he had established an alibi for himself that she was crazy, that she made stuff up, that she was always coming after him. And here he is just this, poor, poor guy that, that pays his child support and just wants to be a good dad. And, and so he had already established that if she ever did reach out, like she had already put, he had already put doubt in my mind that I couldn't believe anything that she said. Classic narcissist. Yes. Classic. Um, and when I did sit and talk to the two of them on this three-way call and they just, they said, we've been waiting on for you to call. And I, and I was like, what? And they, the ex-wife had met me, the ex-girlfriend had not. And the ex-wife was like, you were such a good, loving, warm, caring person. I really thought that you were the one that was going to, to help him, that it was going to be you, that you, you would end the cycle. It never and ends. It never ends. Never ends. No. There's, there's he nothing- has a new he has a new supply now um, that he kept away from it. And he, so what he did, what his MO was um, he kept you uh, isolated and secluded. The, the love bombing went on for a good two to three months, like honeymoon. It was amazing, but he never wanted to do anything with anybody else. It was always, let's go here and have dinner and let's do this and let's be by ourselves. And, and uh, my friends, my family, like he had, he, we, I got into an argument with my son and my son was kicked out of the house. Like he isolated me very quickly. Uh, and so the, my whole world was him. Like that's, that's all I had was him. The, the other thing that really, really upset me is I, I a hundred percent know that his parents know how he is, um, know the abuse. And when I would go over there and spend time with them, you know, his mom would always come in and be like, are you doing okay? Is there anything you need? Can I help you in any way? Do you need to get like weird questions? And I'm going, yeah, I'm fine. Like, I'm fine. Do you think that she deals with the same thing with his father? Actually, I think she's the abusive one. Really? Mm-hmm. I think she's, I just, just based on related conversations that I've heard, I think it's her. Um, but you know, I never saw anything. I adored his father. I thought his dad was just the sweetest person in the world. And she was always loud and aggressive and sharp tongued. And yeah. Um, and the other thing is his friends knew his friends were keenly aware and, and they all said the same thing. You were so different than any of the women he's ever dated. You know, you have your own business, you have older children. Um, you're, you're very self-confident. They were shocked. They were shocked that it had continued with me because the other girls that he had been with 
um, they were all described as like broken birds, you know, and he would swoop in and save them kind of thing. Uh, and they didn't see me that way. And, you know, in talking with my counselor and other people, he is the type of narcissist that was a very big clout chaser and me being the doctor self-employed, you know, you're a doctor. I made, I'm a chiropractor. Remember? Why didn't you tell me that in Nashville? That my I back did. is hard. Was I you drinking? asked me to, yes, you asked me to adjust you. And I said, I couldn't while you were drinking. You said, well, then I'll never get adjusted. <laughs> okay. That sounds that, that, okay. Well, now I feel um, like a piece of but, shit because that does sound like something I'd say. Um, yeah. Fuck um, me. Could have got a free adjustment. Yeah. But they, you know, it, it became very apparent that I made him look good. And so he, he needed me, you know, for that reason alone, but everybody knew. And that's whenever, whenever I talk about my story, there's always women that come forward. There's always women that come out of the woodworks and, and, you know, tell me their stories. But what I'm starting to get now is I'm starting to get the men coming forward and saying, I know a guy, you know, I was that guy, or I've seen that guy. And it's, it's that the men, you know, you can be in a frat house and you can see something going down and no one will say anything. Yeah. See, that's one reason why I do these shows, to be honest with you. And I, I, if everybody's heard me say the same shit, but I'll say it one more time. Because of my daughter, I am more vocal about this shit. I am more aggressive when I see it in public. I would be more aggressive. I saw it in a friend. Luckily, amongst all my friends, I do, I do not think it exists. But if I saw it with a friend, I would intervene. Because I really, I've got it in my head that if you don't do that now and me having a daughter, then my daughter's liable to be somewhere in public or whatever later on in life and somebody abuse her and there could be some random guy standing there just watching. If I do what I'm supposed to as a man now, if that ever happens, then there better be somebody stay. I think karma rolls around, but what I am always blown away by, and I couldn't be friends with somebody like this is when you said a while ago that his friends, but I promise not all men are like that. My buddies, if they saw it amongst one of us, that person would be in trouble. Like that, that person would have to deal with somebody else. Um, something you said a while ago, I know you said that he had a, uh, a new supply, so I'm guessing he has a new girlfriend or something like that. Have you or any of the exes reached out to her? So he, he's real crafty. He keeps, we don't know, we don't know who she is yet. The only reason why we know she exists is because his daughter has gone home with a first name only. So the daughter has just met her in the last couple weeks to months. Um, but we don't have a name, like a full name. We just, we just have the first name. We don't know anything about her. Um, and so I, if I find out who she is, tr- rest assured, I will reach out. Well, that's probably, that's probably how you break the cycle. Uh, well, I mean, I try breaking the cycle with the legal system and, Unfortunately, that is that the biggest work. joke of all. Of it. I mean, I hate to fucking say it because I love our men and women in law and I love attorneys and, and judges and all that shit because God knows I'm going to need them all one day as much shit as I do. But the legal system has failed so many women that have been in abusive relationships because it really comes back to hearsay and they just really fucking ignore hearsay. Yeah. Uh, I, I, 
I hate that. I hate that. That is why I really think there needs to be uh, – I don't know. You live in Texas, so you can carry a gun wherever the hell you go. Anyway, you can have a gun at a daycare in Texas. Uh, where, where are you at, Janetta, in Ohio? Is that what I saw? Yeah, I'm in Ohio. It's open yeah, carry. It's open carry. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it needs to be one strike. I, a lot of people get on my ass about that, but I have not met an abuser yet or a story about an abuser. And it was a one-time situation. I think the first time a man puts his hands on you, he loses his man card, and he ought to fucking get a death certificate. Like, I think I think that's what ought to happen. I just – I don't believe in domestic violence, and if you hurt children, that's like – I 100% it, agree with it, that. I'm fine with both of you getting fucking hanged because it's just – that's not what men are. And I, I hate it. I hate that women have to go through that, and I hate when the legal system fails y'all. It – the you know the the crazy thing about mine i had an amazing team um my detective checked on me every week i had um patrol cars going up and down my streets every day uh, i i always knew when they were back there um i had a great da she was amazing my advocacy or my advocate for the um from the county she was amazing um my, I, I went into the grand jury fully prepared. And when I say fully prepared, most of these cases that they get have anywhere from 25 to 30 pages of physical evidence. I had 225 Oof. pages of physical evidence. It breaks my heart that you even had that much evidence in the first place. Yeah. And, you, you know, we all, my DA, she, she was very forthcoming. She says, we never know how these are going to go. And she said, you have, you have a really good case. You have a lot of physical evidence. Again, I was assaulted on, on Thursday. I couldn't get in to see the forensic nurse. And for anybody that doesn't know what that is, that's basically the person that does the rape kit. Um, I couldn't get in to see her for a week following. So we're talking at least four or five showers between then I had eaten Um, most of my, I'm I'm trying not to be too graphic, but most of my physical evidence and my injuries were sustained to my vocal cords and my throat. Um, when she went in to gather evidence, there was still enough trace trace evidence after a week, there was still bruising lacerations, swelling. I couldn't talk for almost two weeks. There was still that much physical damage that had been done to me that, my evidence, my rape kit was substantial and it was a week later. I have to learn about these things because if you, I'm, I don't just try to like blindly go into conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like you never know an individual story until they tell them, but I have to research like rape kits and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you probably still had it or you did have evidence two weeks later, uh, that's rough, but it's also where Y'all weren't married, were you? Nope. Okay. Do you know that if you a rape kit with a married woman is different than a rape kit just as not being married? I I did not know that. Yeah. So it this is why married women get the shaft when it comes to domestic violence and rape a whole hell of a lot is because you technically don't have a tie to that person. But when you're married to someone, it's supposed to be where 
till death do you part sex is part of it sexual acts are part of it or whatever it's harder for a woman who has been married to someone to file rape charges on their husband because in the eyes of the law how are we supposed to say that you didn't like it like that that you it's didn't like that she that, said do what it's he said she said yeah yeah it's, it's, it's where it gets very very fucked up and like yeah said, it's where the law kind of fucks you um what Jeanette after after all that after the the night that you know he was at the house it got physical and everything kind of you know I know I'm bouncing back and forth but I'm trying to do it no, for a reason no you're perfectly fine yeah, so, I just want to I want to say I'm so sorry that you went through that yeah. um I I did not I I was physically abused not in that aspect um things got out of hand. He started punching holes in the wall, tore the door, tore two of our doors off. Um, and things just, I, I mean, it was to the point where I was reaching down. I remember he took our nightstand and he threw it up against the wall and it broke into pieces. It shattered everywhere. And I remember grabbing trying to grab one of the legs that had broken off to to hit him in the head or hit him to get him off of me and I didn't realize that when I grabbed one of the legs it had a screw sticking out and so when I hit him the, the screw went into his arm um he finally got off. He finally left after I would say a good two hours of us, him chasing me around and us going at it. Um, the next day I called my mom and I said, I need you to take the kids. Don't ask questions. Just please take the kids from me. I need by myself. I need a minute by myself. I had to clean up the mess after him. When I showed up the next day to give my kids to my mom, I was covered in bruises from head to toe. My mom went off. She lost it. She said, what are those? Why? And at this point, it was summertime and I had short sleeves on and capris she's basically trying to strip me down in the middle of a parking lot to see where all I'm covered in bruises. I told her, I looked at her, I said, we'll talk about it later. Just take the kids and keep them safe. So I went back home. I called the cops. That was the humiliating part for me. Um, your story, Maya, is definitely more humiliating because you did have to go through the rape kit process. And again, I am so sorry for that. Uh, my heart goes out to you for that. It really, really does. I did not, but I did have to get naked, um, in my home for officers, two male officers, um, to take pictures of me with all of the bruises that I had because they're there, they were everywhere. <clears throat> that right there was humiliating enough for me. 
I didn't know how to process it all. I had no idea how to process all of it because at the time you have to understand I was a stay at home mom. I financially, financially, and I say that repeatedly because that's the one biggest thing why girls stay, why women stay in a relationship is because their abuser is the financial provider. He was my, he was my financial provider. He paid for our house payment. He paid for our car payment. He paid for everything. I didn't know what to do. My kids had never been in daycare before. I had two kids under two who were still breastfeeding. I didn't know what the heck I was going to do. I had no idea. I had been a stay-at-home mom for years. So I was put in a very tough situation and he backed me into a corner and scared the living shit out of me. He stalked me, showed up. He still stalks me to this day. I want to add that in here. He still stalks me to this day. I couldn't go anywhere. If I went anywhere, he would show up where I was. He put a tracker on my car. He would show up where I was and steal my car. Or he would show up to wherever you say I was. Steal your car? Yes. Yes. He stole my car multiple times. Multiple have, times. Does he have Do keys to it? So, like I told you, two days prior to me finding out that he was cheating, we we bought a car together in both uh, of our homes. Uh, I had one key fob. He had the other key fob. So he showed up wherever I was. He came to the house one night or somewhere and put a tracker on my car. Um, he knew where I was at all times. Every time I would go anywhere, he would come and steal my car and take it. Did you ever get a restraining order of order protection or anything like that? So I got a restraining order. The judge signed off of a restraining order for the car. He was not allowed to touch the car. He was not allowed to come near the car. He wasn't allowed to be in the car. Nothing. Um. There had been multiple, there was a few times where he would call me, I would hide my car in a garage and he would call and call repeatedly or show up at the house that I was at, knock on the door, pound on the door. He still does that today. He just did it a couple of days ago, actually, while I was live. Um, he's... he's such a good talker. Like I have never heard a person in my life talk so good as he does. What, what I don't understand is if you have an order of protection and stuff against him, do you notify the police every time he comes around? I don't anymore. I don't have an order that, that order of protection ended when I turned in my car I think you need to go get another one, ma'am. I do have another car now. Uh, well, I mean, order no, of protection. 
So uh, he's he's one more mistake away. Uh, one, more, father, one more mistake. One more mistake could cost you your life. Yeah, I am aware of that. But again, in Ohio, it's hard to get protection orders. Um, I have to actually take my car because I think he has a tracker on my new car because I I just bought it a month ago. Um, I have to take my car, my new car to a dealership through the court to see if there is a tracker on it. If there's a tracker on it, like I think there is, he is going to be he's going to be served with an order of protection of where he's not allowed around me. Have you ever heard the old saying, I don't know if you got it in Ohio or not. I know we got it down here in Texas. Uh, I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by six. Yeah. I've never heard that before. Yeah. I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried carried by six. I I get what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Darling, I'm going to tell you something that uh, most women that are in your shoes would I would think they would tell you. I'm going to let Maya tell you after I say it, see if I'm right or wrong. The bad thing about folks like that is they don't ever change. It only gets worse. When you when they get to a certain point and they felt the they've quenched the thirst at one level, they're going to go to the next level. It's where, unfortunately, Maya probably got more of the worst that someone – I'm not downplaying anybody. I would never downplay anybody's no. domestic violence. But – her in her situation he probably didn't start off like that he probably is baby steps and then you get to that well the problem with people that just are serial domestic violencers i guess would be the word lifetimers is once it's the power it's the it's the power that you have over somebody else it's the control you have over somebody else it's the you're gonna do what the fuck i say and we're gonna leave it as is well, that doesn't just come as soon as you started. It's a progression. And if I was you, this is this is what I would tell my daughter. The, the advice I'm going to give you is what I'd tell my daughter. If I ever saw this person, if she ever saw this person, and I felt uncomfortable, I'd shoot first and I'd ask questions later. Because the bad thing oh. is, the, the bad thing is, if he ever – if he ever saw you with another guy or anything like that, I don't know if you have been with another guy or whatever. You don't know if he snapped yet. That that's that the problem. Has, that that's the stories that I haven't got into. Yeah. Uh, he has. He showed up multiple times, places. Um, going to Nashville this past weekend uh, has put a big, huge, big, huge fight between us um we have to co-parent try to there is no co-parenting but we have to try you know we have we have children together um me going to nashville this weekend i hid it and hid it and hid it and kept it a secret um didn't tell him had everything rearranged made sure my kids were safe made sure everything was taken care of but once he found out that I went to Nashville is when everything hit the fan. Um, I, he showed up at my house. What is today? Today is Thursday. Thursday. He showed up at my house Tuesday night, Tuesday evening. 
when I was on live on TikTok, um, pounding on my door. You're going to have to pull a trigger, baby. And I stayed on live. I answered the door. I answered what he wanted. Um, it was very calm. He didn't like it. He wanted to continue to fight and argue. And I just shut the door and locked it. As soon as I saw that he was out of my driveway, I, I got in my car and I left. Now, the, the sad thing about domestic violence, I mean, it's all sad. It's all, it's all fucking horrible. You know, there, there's a woman that I consider a, uh, I don't even know what word to use for her, Ma. Uh, I think she's an example. I think Lorena Bobbitt is a fucking example. I don't know if y'all know who that is or not. I do. Okay. I don't know if Janetta does. Lorena Bobbitt, for those who do not know, was a woman who got into a relationship, a marriage with a guy that was in the military. He was very, very abusive. She took and took and took. He, uh, he was very, for if you read the accounts and everything and watch the documentaries, kind of what you went through, Maya. He was very forceful when it came to sex. He wanted it to be the rape fantasy and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. She called him. She cut his dick off. And she threw it out the window. She's going down the road. She never got abused again. Now, I'm not telling everybody to go cut somebody's dick off. As a man, I'm pretty sure that every guy in the world would hate me. But my ex-husband was military for eight years. The sad thing about military, and I love our military. I support them. I work with Mission 22 and other. Some people come back. Some people, after they got a service, are wired different. And it ain't for the good. It ain't for the bad. They're wired different and it ain't an excuse, but not it's, it's very few far in between, but you get a lot of that when it comes to military. Uh, but I'll, I'll, only thing I say when I say that is you can either be, you can either be the person. I cannot remember her name now. Uh, who's the lady that OJ Simpson killed? Nicole Brown Simpson. Nicole. You can either be Lorena Bobbitt or you can be Nicole Brown Simpson. You got if you're if you're in a domestic violence relationship, you've got two options. You either can be the hero of your own story, or you can end up like her. And there are certain people that get out, and I'm glad for the ones of y'all to get out. It makes my fat ass heart swell when you see people that actually get out. Maya, I'm so glad you're not in that situation anymore. Janetta, we're going to have to get you a little bit farther away, darling. You're too good looking. You seem too sweet. You're too good of a mama. Listen, I have came you. so far. Well, so you got to you gotta, you gotta come farther. First. I know. And it's baby steps. It's not always going to be like overnight. Right. If, but I want you to do me a favor. I want everybody listening to this show to do me a favor. I want you to go watch every documentary you can about domestic violence. And I want you, when you get done watching, I want you to see how many have a successful ending still having anything to do with that opposite person. I know you have to co-parent. Maybe I know you got to co-parent. And I know that's hard. I know it's hard. But them youngins going to want their mama there. And if that fella's doing that still to this day, you're going to have to pull Lorena Bobbitt on his ass. I, I'm not trying to – I mean, I know it sounds like it's far-fetched, but every woman that has gone too far, 
every woman that has gone too far always said, I should have cut this off sooner. I should have left sooner. I should have cut ties sooner. I should have let the court system do as much as they could do. You know what? Fucking move. Move to where that tracker don't matter no more. Go across state lines. Let them cross state lines on your ass with a restraining order and see what happens. The thing is, I can't move out of Ohio. It's in our it's in our paperwork. I'm not allowed to move out of Ohio. Well, I'm sure it's not in your paperwork that you should get stalked and fucking mentally abused the way you're getting abused right now. No, you're correct. It's not. And uh, there's an open court case on it. it. It's it's still open. Um, it it's there's so much more to my story than, you know, the little tiny bit that we got to talk about. Oh, I know. I know. And it sucks, you know, when you're in this situation and you're put through so much and you're dragged so down and you're at the very freaking bottom that you could be at and you work yourself up so hard and you're so strong. Like, I'm so strong now. So freaking strong now compared to what I was a year ago. A year ago, I still let him walk all over me. Now, I don't. And it's killing him because I'm not responding. I'm not giving him the satisfaction of the doubt. I'm not doing anything. But this is when he is the most dangerous. You got it out your right mouth now. before I could. You got it exactly. out your mouth before I could. And, you know, I just said this. I, I literally just said this yesterday because, like I said, on Tuesday is when he showed up at my house. Yesterday, I, I said, I am starting to get that fearfulness back again. I'm it's starting funny. to, I'm starting to get that being afraid again what one and I word, don't want what, that what one word between the two of y'all one word every time you said this one word to the person that was your uh abuser what made them the maddest it's the word no when you tell them no the more that you and think about it now you're still telling this guy no and it's building up and it's building up it's building up it's going to have a tipping point. I hope like hell it don't. I don't want to see you on one of the documentaries I watch. That's why I'm telling you to pull triggers and ask questions later. Once yeah. he realizes he's lost control. Yep. He will he's starting lose to, control. He's starting to realize that now. He's losing control right now in the moment. Maya, finish and now that minute, he sees me finish out thought, doing Maya. The moment it's, he loses control is the moment he must regain control. And that is when most women lose their lives. You are in the most dangerous period right now. And, you know, when I decided to stand up and tell my story, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I did it because I wanted to be the final person in his story. I didn't want there to be another person. It's not that I'm any stronger than the other women. It's not that my story was any worse than theirs. It's that I wanted it to be over. And I felt that I could carry them on my back and I could be the, be the sound or the light or whatever you wanted to call it, that I could finally put to put him to justice. And so I did all the things and I, 
everything that my advocate, everything that my detective for eight months, I did everything I was supposed to do everything. And I took it to the grand jury. I did everything I was supposed to do. And I took it to the grand jury and I had three un 13 unbiased community people in my community tell me that everything that I sustained and everything that I went through and everything that the other three women went through, that it was all within the normal constraints of a relationship and that it was normal and that I needed to deal with it. And so then I said, okay, I failed all these women. I failed them. And what's going to happen to the next woman? And how do we stop him? How do we stop him? And I went to my detective and I go, we failed. And he goes, you, you didn't fail. He said, I said, but how do we stop him? He goes, the next woman is going to have to die for him to be stopped. And you are so close to being that woman that you need to break the cycle. You need to go and get a personal restraining order. You need to do it for the safety of yourself, for your children. I wasn't even allowed to get a restraining order until the grand jury indicted him. I had to wait for an indictment to get the restraining order. When he's most mad, he would have been most mad the day they went to pick him up and take him to jail. He'd be in jail for 48 hours. He bailed out. That's the most dangerous time for most women too. When they do do the right thing, they go to court and they get, they do everything. I was actually, the day that my grand jury met and my AD called me and she says, okay, um, they chose, it's called a no bill down here. When they choose not to indict, they call it a no bill. It was 13 people. It was unanimous with all, all the evidence, all the statements, everything. It was unanimous that it, nothing happened, nothing outside the normal restraints of a relationship, nothing happened. Right. So they called me in and she was like, well, how do you feel? And I said, so, okay, here's what would have happened if we would have gotten the indictment. Right. So he would have been arrested within the next seven days, hopefully. He would have spent one to two nights in jail. He would have bailed out and he would have been fucking pissed. So then he would have come after me right now, as it stands, he does not know it ever went to the grand jury. He doesn't know how far I took it. He thought that the day he came and picked up his stuff that I was done. He, he didn't know any of this happened. So I felt safer now with him out on the streets with some other woman that he's probably abusing than I did going through the court system, because I knew in the state of Texas right now, we are three to four years behind on our docket in prosecuting these cases. So he could have been out on the streets for three years, tormenting me. It's, it's a, it's a vicious cycle, but you were in, you were precariously walking a very thin line right now that you can't just sit back and wait for him to make a move because the more you say no and the more you, you he loses control, the more volatile he becomes. You said something a while ago that is extremely sad to hear somebody say and not have context to it. And it was where you said that the detective said for something to really happen, then the next person has to get killed. Yes. You know how you prevent that? Is you become the killer. I know it sounds horrible. I know I know that sounds so fucking bad. 
But when it crosses that line, you know why guns were invented in the first place? Because if me, I mean, you just saw me this weekend. It's not like I'm that big of a guy. But if I was to attack a guy that was 5'1", 110 pounds, I could have my way with him. Same way if I was to attack a woman smaller than me, I could have my way with him. It's just genetics. Guns were invented to even the playing field. Guns were invented. You know, they say God, uh, God created all man, but Sam Colt made us all equal. And it is the truth. It is where you can't defend yourself against most men. You can't defend yourself against most men. There's going to come a day and time to where you have to pick your life or someone else's. And it's sad. It is so sad. But you don't want to be laying there in that hospital bed or you don't want to be laying there waiting for the EMTs or ever to get there and think about what could have happened. And you don't have to kill somebody. I'm sitting here saying kill them. Blow their fucking kneecaps out. I, I mean, I know, like I said, sounds fucking crazy. I'm hard-headed. Every lesson I've had to learn in my life, I had to learn the hard way. You want to teach somebody not to uh, abuse you anymore? Teach them the fucking hard way. I stand by Lorena Bobbitt. I'm watching the documentary on it right now. That's why I'm just all in my head, and I was glad y'all wanted to do this tonight. Just for the simple fact that there's too many women out there that say, maybe he's going to get better, or I love him, or you don't know him like I do, or whatever fucking excuse that they use. Maybe one day he'll come around. Ask Gabby Barrett if they come around. Ask Nicole Simpson if they come around. Ask anybody that you've ever seen that ended up in a grave because of domestic violence. Ask if it was the first time or the hundredth time. They don't fucking come around. And that goes the same thing if it's the woman abusing a man. No, they don't come around. And I'm not trying to like be morbid or nothing towards y'all. I just don't want to see anything bad happen to people that don't deserve it. There's some bad fucking apples in this world. And you know what you do to bad apples? You throw them the fuck away. You don't try to nibble around and eat just the good pieces of the rotten apple. It's hard, Janetta. It's one of the hardest things you're ever going to do in your life. And when you have to stand back and you have to make that decision, you look at your baby square in the face and you want to know, are they going to look at you and see a strong, powerful woman that stood up for them and stood up for themselves? Are they going to see somebody? Because he's teaching them how to, how to walk all over people. He's teaching them how to be abusive. He is teaching them how to take advantage of you. Yeah, they ask me all the time why daddy is so mean to mommy but he they are learning the how how to they're learning how to have relationships they're not they're learning what they consider normal sweet yes that, that that's what you I, got to get i i tried yesterday to to order a, to file an order of protection um i didn't have enough evidence i don't have enough proof i have to wait until my car is inspected to see if there's a tracker on it. You almost got it right. You don't have to wait. He comes in that house uninvited. You do something about it. You don't ask questions. That's where everybody. Well, he, doesn't, <clears throat> he doesn't come in my house. He only he'll, he'll come to my door. Do you he'll give him permission to come to that door? No, I don't. He's on your property, baby. 
long as you don't, is. long as you don't do something while they're running away. Everyone, listen to this. This is a, this is a huge fact that you need to know if you are going to shoot. I'm the type of person. I hope I never ever have to shoot anybody. But if you put me in a situation where I have to think about it, I'm going to shoot you. I don't mean I got to kill you. There you there's a thing called uh I can't remember this, it but it's just stopping them. It's not killing them, but it's stopping them. You don't shoot somebody where they're running away. They just have to be fa- you wound them. But yeah. you, yeah, I'm not telling you to shoot your ex. I just understand. No. What I'm telling you is I would rather you be safe and I would rather you be comfortable and be in a position to where you, you might have to explain yourself to some police or whatever about what happened, but somebody doesn't have to explain to your kids why mommy isn't there anymore. My daughter, my daughter's 10. My daughter knows already that no matter what happens, if a, if a dude bullies her in school, she's to kick them in the fucking nuts and run straight to the teacher. If she gets in trouble, then I will sit my happy ass in ISS or out of school suspension with her and fucking pat her on the back. Women are caught, taught too early, and I'm a guy saying this. Women are taught too early in life to obey to a man. You know, it's funny that you say that, Josh, because when we're little, when we're younger, you know, we'll have our little daughters come home and they'll say, mommy, um, Tommy was mean to me today. He was pulling my hair and we teach our daughters. Oh, they only do that because they like you. Thank you. Yeah, we, we, we teach them that that. Mm -hmm. we do. We're like, oh, he's only picking on you because he likes you. Mm -mm. Well, you can, well, Gracie knows, and I hope all these other parents teaching them. That you're, you're, you don't realize that it's not a scar, but it is, it normalizes. You're normalizing as a, as a parent. And so did mine. I'm sure my parents said the same thing. You're normalizing it being okay to be rough with someone at a young age. So then what does that do? That just grows as you get older to where you're rougher in other aspects because you, it's been normalized to you. Right. That's, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Uh, there is some parts of this society that I think we live in now is complete bullshit, but there are some things that I completely agree with. I don't like the oversensitive, soft ass people, but when it comes to women and everything now, I do think there are some things as men that we shouldn't have been taught was okay. There are certain things that I think that we should have been rewired. And that what you just said, Maya is a prime example. You shouldn't, you shouldn't tell your son, Oh, go pull little Jenny's hair. She'll think you're flirting with her. Right. You know, pulling hair comes way longer in life and it's got to be accepted by both parties. Uh, doing it, thinking that you're flirting or whatever, being rough with somebody else. That's not, that's not okay. Y'all done got me all in my feels. I was, <laughs> I was expecting to be, I was expecting to be like, I always get, I have to drink before doing the domestic violent ones anyway, because I always get, uh, I miss all I'm, I'm always shocked by me. I don't know why I'm still shocked by men. I wasn't raised that way. I was in a house where it was domestic violence, but it was my mom and dad both beating the shit out of each other. Cause they were drunks. Well, it was, it was always bad shit, but it was never anything like what you two were talking about. And I'm just shocked that men, can validate it i guess i guess that's the word i'm looking for like why they think it's okay why they think it's normal to act that fucking way i just nothing about it makes sense to me 
I can't but answer that. Being in situation, it, it never makes sense to any of us. Well, uh, so it doesn't make sense to me. I think it's it's just it's equally confusing is why women accept it and why we take it as love and why we make all the excuses. And, you know, again, I've had almost two years now of, of therapy and, you know, we can, we can pull in all my daddy issues and my abandonment with my dad and all the shit that set it up. Um, but in, in the long run, I chose, I chose to say, in a relationship. And, and again, you know, people ask me all the time, like, why did you, why did you say like, when did you know? And when I say it was, it was the abuse started from the beginning, but it was gradual because we would, we would, we would be intimate and he'd be like, let's try something. And it would be outside my, mm, my comfort zone. And he'd be like, I promise I'll never hurt you. And it was just this gradual, let's try this. Let's push it. Let's push a limit. Let's do this. And so, and there was tons of love bombing and there was tons of reassurance and there was all these, these kind words and sweet things. And until one day, one day I said, no, I don't want to do that. And on that day, that day a a light switch flipped and I learned very swiftly, you will never say no to me again because that night, the night I said no to something that I did not want to do, not only did I have to do what I said no to, but I had to sustain it for two hours, two hours. And, you know, he, he would always say, whenever he would do something like that, he was like, my goal is that you won't be able to walk or talk or breathe or move or laugh or have functions of certain parts of your body for at least a week. That's my goal with whatever we're doing when we get offered just tell me his name I, uh, let's just <laughs> let's just give him a fucking let's just give him a nine mil i mean that's that's what he fucking deserves I, fuck that guy i mean seriously yeah oh, you know and and but here's the th- here's the crazy thing like he would say those things and then i took it all and and then it would come the part where I would feel so low on myself and he'd be, he'd come in and he'd be like, baby, you took that like a champ. Like you're the real woman. You're the woman I've been looking for, for my whole life. And then I'd sit there and think, hang on, wait, what? It was so the pattern of abuse and the things that these men do to keep you in the loop, to keep you to where you'll come back, to keep you to where you don't, is this abuse? Is is this normal? Like, do I really like that? You question everything that you've ever thought about yourself. You question your boundaries. You question your limits. You And just when you think I can't do it anymore, they'll come in and they'll praise you and they'll worship you. And, and you'll have like this fabulous week where it's all about you. And you're like, holy shit, I'm such a bitch. Like, how could I even think that he would be abusive to me? And, and again, the last night, when I looked in the mirror and blood, like I had, I was covered in blood and I looked in the mirror and I said, you're done. You don't have to do this anymore. Are, are you good? Because we're, we're good. And I was done. And I knew that my body has sustained enough 
that my heart had sustained enough and that this wasn't a man that loved me. This was a man that loved power and he loved control and he loved to, to manipulate and be an ass. Darling, there's one commonality amongst all predators. Do you know what that is? They, they take, they take your love and they use it against you. Every predator, it does not matter if you're uh, in y'all situation or a child predator, they use love against you. Um, mm. this, this is how I want to end it. Uh, Janetta, I won't, I'm gonna let Maya end it, but I want you to go first. I know you're still in a situation you're going through right now and you're still battling, but I want you to leave it here, giving a message to someone younger than you or someone who is struggling right now and needs a, a pick me up. I know that you're still in the baby steps. Like you, you're making strides every day to be better. And I'm proud of you. If anybody else going to tell you me and my is fucking proud of you, but there's somebody out there that hasn't took that first step yet. I want you to, if you had to give them a message, help them take that first step. You have to, it's really, really hard because mine was mind control. It was control about everything. He physically abused me. Yes. N not sexual, but physically he abused me. Um, you have to take a step back and think to yourself. Why? Not why me, but why am I allowing another human being to treat me this way? That was a really hard thing for me to go through when I went through therapy. When my therapist asked me, why am I allowing? When I have the power of myself, why am I allowing another person to do this? And it's not that we are allowing them to do it it's that we don't realize that they are doing it we have no idea we have no clue because they've brainwashed us into realizing all of this stuff with that being said if you for one second think something is off with someone run Completely run because most likely it's going to turn into more and more and more and more. And the cycle is just going to continue. And there's so much I want to say, but I can't. No, don't worry. There'll be time for more of this. I'm going to put y'all and some more people so together. More I'm, I'm, there'll be more. There'll be more. I, I know where you're going with it. And I think everybody else does too. Just, you know, I want you to listen to something you said though, is run. Mm -hmm. when, when this, listen to your own advice. When you're scared, when you're in a situation you don't like, run. Run or shoot. I don't give a fuck which one you do, but you stay the hell out of harm's way. That's what I would tell my daughter. 
Yeah. Maya, I ain't got Feel it. uncomfortable the moment that you, somebody, a man or woman, you know, in a man's situation that you feel so uncomfortable, run. Absolutely. Run. Don't My, stay. No, ma'am. My, I'm scared to death, whatever the hell you're about to say. Because after, be, after being I, around you this weekend and seeing just what <laughs> a badass you are, I want, I want to tell you something before uh, we end this, and I, and I do mean this. The strength that both of you ladies have to get on here to talk about these certain things, uh, it is what we want. Is, well, I say we. It's what me. I want my daughter to be like. I want her to be strong. I want her to be a badass. Y'all might not know you're badasses, but you are. You know, each one of y'all are at two different points of your healing. Mm -hmm. But you both have took more than just the first step. And I and I respect that out of both of you. And I think both of you, before Maya sits here and probably fucking makes me squall in just a second, uh, I think both of you are examples for women. And I hope that you keep sharing your message and I hope you both keep putting it out to the world because somebody's going to message you both after this and be like, you changed my life. And yes, that's just the, one of the most powerful things you'll ever hear in this world. Also, one of the most powerful things you're ever going to hear in this world is I don't know what this bitch is about to say. And I am scared because she done brought me to my damn knees two or three times. I seen Janetta the same way. Both of us looking at each other while Maya's been talking and being like, what the fuck? This woman, you're a fucking Viking. You are a Viking fucking queen. And I want you to know that. And I'm so happy that I got to meet you this past weekend. Maya, before you speak, I just want to say. I did not know your story before today. And I now have someone to look up to. Thank you. I now have someone that I literally can look up to and go to, to help me get through what I need to get through because you're a fucking badass. Thank you. I'm going to send you my, my number tonight. Don't you worry. We're, we're Thank I am so excited to hear what you are about to say because I need to hear it myself. There's a lot of women that need to hear whatever this smart woman's fixing to say. Absolutely. God, no pressure. Um, Don't fuck it up. Right. Right. Don't fuck up. (laughs) The biggest thing, you know, in, in this journey that I've learned is that when we get into relationships, the first thing we do is we abandon ourselves and we put the other person before us. And, and that's when we stop the self-love and the self-care and looking in the mirror and saying, you're worth more and you're worth this and you don't need to take that. And somebody said something very interesting to me very early on in this journey of red flags for me. And, and again, it's something that we teach our kids, but when, whenever we get into relationships, there are one of two things that happen. And the one that we're most frequently aware of is when we get butterflies in our stomach butterflies we get butterflies right and butterflies are good right no butterflies is your body's intuition telling you hang on something's up it's your body telling it's your body getting nervous your in intuition gets nervous and it makes your stomach upset it gives you chills the hairs on your back of the neck cause stand on it but we never listen to that as 
an alarm, a red flag, an alert. We're like, ooh, I'm getting turned on. But in reality, that's your body telling you, no, you need to pay attention and you need to listen. When we've met somebody that is our Zen, that is our calm, that is good, that's good groceries. You have peace, you have contentment, you have just this warmth that comes over you. But we want to have those butterflies because the butterflies are exciting. And nine times out of 10, it's the butterflies that lead us down a path where we abandon ourselves, we put the other person first, and our self-worth becomes the bottom of the cup. And so you have, you have to continually go forth. This journey that I've done, I coming forward and telling my story has been the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And there's been humiliation. There's been self-doubt. There've been days that the, the bottle of pills in my hand were more comforting than the person in the mirror. And I have a daughter who's 20 years old and I have a son that's 21 and I have friends and I have people that have come to me and said, I've never told anybody this story, but this happened to me. I never thought anybody would understand what it felt like to not know who I was looking at in the mirror. And because of your story, because of your bravery, because, and there's nothing brave about this for me. I don't, people say that and thank you for, you know, the things that you've said to me, it's, it's just about, I'm done. I'm tired and I'm tired of the 97% and I'm tired of women dying and I'm tired of I'm tired of every day wondering, is my daughter, is my daughter going to be the next person that I have to hug and say, it's okay, you're worthy, you're powerful, you, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that that happened to you. And so we just, we have to start changing the narrative and the narrative has to be self-love, love yourself be enough for yourself. It's okay to be alone. You don't have to stay in a relationship where you're being abused just because you don't have to be alone. You don't have to stay in a relationship because you're not financially stable. Baby, I'll get you a job. You can come live with me. I'll take care of you until you're on your feet. There are always going to be people out there that will help. There will always be people out there that want you to succeed But the most important thing is those babies. And when you have those babies, shit happens and you'll find a way. You'll you'll do whatever needs to get done. But you can't abandon yourself. And you can't let the butterflies be the thing that you follow. You can't follow the butterflies. You have to find the peace and you have to find the comfort. And the first time, and I will tell you this, the first time a man, a, a good man, with good intentions, hold you in his arms and you feel at peace, you're going to understand. You're going to understand. You'll be like, holy shit, I've been chasing the wrong thing. I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell you as somebody who gets paid to talk for a fucking living, you start this tomorrow. You can make a bigger difference with the stuff that just came out of your mouth than I ever will. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Because I'm going to tell you right now. I'm over here doing it. So I'm telling you, I'm choked the fuck up right now. My fat <laughs> like, ass is crying over here. I'm trying to hold it back. 
But you, you literally that, no idea yeah, what more, you just said. God damn, more people need There's to hear that. I was the butterflies I that you, I kept chasing and kept chasing and kept chasing when I didn't realize he was not the one I should have been chasing. It's the one person that makes me feel at peace and makes me feel comfortable. Yeah. Red flags are for carnivals. Red flags are for carnivals. And the only thing you have at carnivals is chaos. It's all you get at at, at carnivals. And clowns. And clowns, yes. You know, I honestly really needed you. Say there you go. I needed you for this. I take back everything I said about wishing I could have done the show with you in Nashville. I wouldn't have made it through it. <laughs> I'm telling you, would have I, been in pre- you would have been in front of me. <laughs> yeah, I would. Have, I'm telling you, there's no way. There's no way. But from somebody like me to somebody like y'all that's been through all the stuff y'all been through, just know that both of y'all are strong, and y'all have helped somebody tonight. And I appreciate from the bottom of my heart. You both coming on my show and share. So uh, I love both of you part of the family now. You don't have a fucking choice. So thank y'all. And uh, folks, if you uh, if you can stop drying your eye or crying right now, go look at both of these beautiful ladies on social media. Tell them thank you. Uh, real quick, Maya, drop your, uh, your TikTok or Instagram handle. And then, Janetta, you do the same thing because I got a feeling there's going to be some women want to reach out and talk to y'all. I am TXMama35 on uh, TikTok and then Maya Dawn on Instagram. And if anybody is in trouble, if you need help, if you need to get out, please let me know. I have contacts across the country. We do have safe houses available. Um, So if you need to get out, if you need to go back, whatever you need, please let me know. Um, I have taken more women into my home in the last two years than um, I ever dreamed I could. And uh, this is a safe house. So you, you might you be my new favorite person. I'm not even fucking with you. You you literally might be my new favorite person. Go ahead, Janetta. Drop yours too. She's my new favorite person. Yeah, yeah. She's gonna be my mama bear that I'm, I'm gonna run to. Um, God, girl, I love you. Uh, mine on TikTok is Janetta B. It's J E A N E T T A B. And then on Instagram, it's just Janetta Bowling. All right, folks, I'm going to leave you this little bit of words of wisdom. I'm going to hit end. If you're struggling right now, just remember, God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. You're not struggling for no reason. With your pain comes a purpose. These ladies had turned their pain into purpose, and you can too. Thank each and every one of y'all. I love y'all. She's crying, and I want you to cry. Oh, God bless each and every one of y'all. Thank y'all for listening to the show. Catch y'all next time.